0: Hi listeners, it's Vanessa. For years, ParCast has worked tirelessly to bring you an unprecedented look at history's most radical true crime events. Your support has not only allowed us to keep exploring these stories, but has driven us to keep expanding as well. So as a thank you to the ParCast listeners, I am honored to announce the release of our first book, Cults inside the world's most notorious groups, and understanding the people who join them. It's available on July 12th, and you can pre-order it today at parcast.com cults. The Branch Davidians, The Ant Hill Kids, Heaven's Gate, and more. Cults combs through the terrifying details never explored in any of ParCast's series before. This is a passion project only made possible by you, so we truly hope you'll enjoy it. Visit parcast.com cults to pre-order your copy of Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them. Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual abuse involving minors, we advise caution for children under 13.
1: We've made it to the halfway point of our cross-country cults road trip. Our third stop is just over 600 miles away in the beautiful state of Michigan.
0: With the road stretching on, our minds turn back to thoughts of summer fun. Most of us have fond memories of taking to the beach, visiting amusement parks, or showing up for a baseball game under the hot sun.
1: Local stadiums bustle at this time of year, packed with fans of all ages. Whether it's for a major league team or minor affiliate, catching a ball game is a ritual that transcends time.
0: Spectators today are greeted by the same sights, sounds, and smells all over the world. From the excitement of watching a man at bat to the aroma of popcorn and peanuts, it's a unique thrill.
1: And undoubtedly, baseball lovers in the small town of Benton Harbor, Michigan, felt the exact same way back in the 1920s. But while these men and women watched the same game we do today, the players themselves were a little different.
0: Every one of them had long hair and well-kept beards, Emblazoned on the front of the home team's jerseys were the letters H-D.
1: Each of them were members of the House of David, a group run by Benjamin Purnell, who many critics labeled a cult-like leader. Benjamin taught that he was the seventh messenger mentioned in the book of Revelation, and that the end times were close at hand.
0: But according to former members, while his baseball team grabbed headlines and dazzled the public, Benjamin kept a dark secret.
1: Hi, I'm Greg Polson.
0: And I'm Vanessa Richardson.
1: And this is a special series presented by Cults, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, its leader, and its followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: This summer, cults is hitting the road. We're traveling from coast to coast to investigate the people and places that host the most notorious religious groups in the United States. So, put on your shades, roll down the window, and kick up your feet as the rubber meets the road.
1: This week, we're stopping by the House of David in southern Michigan. There, we'll see how Benjamin Purnell's group made an indelible impact on the area.
0: From building an amusement park to fielding a wildly successful barnstorming baseball team, the House of David was the region's pride and joy. But after a damaging trial in 1927, people learned of the brutal truth lurking behind closed doors.
2: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries, for some, In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. A new True Crime podcast from the team behind Up and Vanished.
0: In 2016... Adventurer Justin Alexander was invited on a trek by an Indian holy man. They headed to a spiritual ground in the Himalayan mountains, a place beyond civilization. The holy man returned and said nothing, but Justin was never seen again. What happened to him? Dive into our investigation in Status Untraced. Available
2: now. Listen for free on Spotify.
0: About 40 miles north of the Indiana border and nearly three hours west of Detroit, the small town of Benton Harbor graces the eastern banks of Lake Michigan.
1: The quiet streets are lined with multi-story buildings, shops, and houses, many of which were built decades earlier.
0: Today, the residents of Benton Harbor face struggles that are far too common in the state. Outdated lead service lines have tainted the water supply, with pipe removal only starting in 2021. In addition, the poverty rate is far higher than the national average.
1: But turning on to the main thoroughfare of Britain Avenue, we find remnants of what some locals consider the town's glory days.
0: While it may not look like much today, if you're quiet for long enough, you might just hear the faded sounds of children playing and the crack of a wooden baseball bat.
1: A hundred years ago, the town buzzed with electricity and promise. The House of David complex housed an amusement park, a zoo, and a baseball park. Families from all over the state shrugged off their daily woes there.
0: Most visitors were aware that the Israelite House of David ran the sprawling property, but not many knew the full story of its leader, Benjamin Purnell.
1: Less than 20 years earlier, in 1903, 42-year-old Benjamin moved to Benton Harbor with his wife Mary and a few of his followers.
0: One of his devotees donated dozens of acres of land to the traveling preacher's cause. After that, Benjamin legally incorporated the Israelite House of David as a tax-exempt religious organization.
1: Benjamin's message appeared pretty unique at the time. To keep a complicated story simple, Benjamin believed he was the mythical seventh and final messenger described in the book of Revelation. Benjamin taught that he lived without sin— and that the end times were rapidly approaching.
0: His goal was to prepare for the end of the world and the restoration of the Garden of Eden. There, a gathering of 144,000 elect members of the original 12 tribes of Israel could await Christ's return. In his commune, members were to lead sinless lives, and if they did, Benjamin claimed, they would become immortal.
1: But to attract the necessary 144,000 people to Benton Harbor, Benjamin had his work cut out for him. He wrote down his beliefs in a book called The Star of Bethlehem, The Living Role of Life.
0: According to the Chicago Reader, beyond publishing the detailed tome, Benjamin also sent preachers out all over the country to find new converts. He cast a wide net, hoping to hook as many people as he could.
1: And he seemed to catch more than a few converts. Soon, structures popped up on the commune, and a handful of members started working the land to grow crops.
0: As his congregation grew, Benjamin established some rules to enforce his high standards of sinless living.
1: But a few of those mandates were pretty peculiar, especially for the early 1900s.
0: For instance, Benjamin cited a verse from the Book of Leviticus to prevent men from shaving or cutting their hair, He also instituted a vegetarian diet, believing the commandment, Thou shalt not kill, extended even to livestock.
1: In addition, he forced his followers to be celibate. Even married couples were subject to this rule. The House of David referred to husbands and wives as brothers and sisters.
0: But before anyone could even try to live a sinless life in the commune, they needed to hand over all of their money and possessions. That included jewelry, family heirlooms, and even property. It's a tactic we've seen used over and over in many different religious groups. Without their possessions, members had to rely on the House of David for financial support, and that made leaving difficult.
1: While the exact numbers aren't readily available, we can guess that these donations netted Benjamin a decent sum. And with all the capital flowing in, the House of David blossomed in Benton Harbor. Benjamin bought tools and equipment to help develop the land. He instilled the value of hard work in his followers, who built their new site into a self-sufficient compound.
0: Within the first few years, more buildings were constructed to house the congregation, By 1906, the House of David had bought up hundreds of acres of farmland. The bounty of crops provided a huge boost to the commune's income.
1: On any given day, long-haired men either worked the land or tinkered away in the infrastructure. They did anything to help the commune. They were all in it together.
0: According to the group, women were an integral part of daily life at the House of David and treated as
1: equals. They had the right to vote on group decisions and held important board positions that ruled on the day-to-day activities, and all long before women in the United States were legally granted the same rights.
0: Though, to be clear, all of the followers' votes were symbolic. Every decision passed through Benjamin first. Nothing happened in the commune without his say.
1: But as the House of David thrived, local authorities started to get involved. It wasn't so much that the members had done anything wrong. It had more to do with Benjamin's initial incorporation.
0: As the group expanded, the government felt it was acting less like a religious organization and more like a business. In
1: 1907, they revoked the House of David's tax-free status, but the ruling ultimately proved toothless.
0: While the group now had tax obligations, Benjamin and his wife Mary still had total control over the purse strings. The pair had grand plans for the House of David, one centered on more earthly pursuits. In
1: 1908, the group opened Eden Springs, an amusement park located on the back half of their property.
0: Think of the park as a more wholesome, Midwestern version of Coney Island and a precursor to Disneyland's Main Street USA, though it was still operated by an eccentric religious organization.
1: Park-goers started their day by heading down Britton Avenue, one of the main drags of Benton Harbor, toward the House of David. When they arrived, they entered an enclosed white train depot, where a miniature locomotive sat waiting, ready to ferry them to Eden Springs Park.
0: From there, guests boarded one of several train cars. After a brief moment, the bearded conductor blew the steam whistle, and the train slowly pulled ahead into the commune.
1: The route wasn't very long, but the novelty of it delighted guests. At one point, it would have crossed over a small valley that ran the length of the property. The trestle bridge was massive, allowing guests to peer up to 30 feet below.
0: Finally, the train steamed to a stop right outside of the entrance to Eden Springs.
1: Guests were greeted by a lush town square. A large pond sparkled off to the side, and a handful of shops offered souvenirs and snacks, and music poured out of a large open-air amphitheater.
0: Eden Springs became the talk of the town. Business proved so fruitful that Benjamin eventually had a three-story hotel built in downtown Benton Harbor. It housed out-of-towners so they had a place to stay the night.
1: As the House of David grew and Eden Springs Park drew crowds, Benjamin became a local celebrity. Reporters dubbed him King Benjamin or King Ben.
0: And to be fair, he carried a larger-than-life persona. Wherever he went, he wore expensive suits and a nice, wide-brimmed hat. Along with his wardrobe, his long, flowing hair and neat beard made him stand out.
1: As the years went on, the locals seemed to fully embrace him. Sure, his teachings were strange, but the group brought in commerce and hundreds of new residents to the town.
0: But while things in Eden seemed glowing on the outside, all that glitters isn't gold. Despite Benjamin's claims that he was sinless, he'd fallen well short of the mark. His actions would go on to hurt countless people and threaten to collapse his massive empire.
1: Coming up, Benjamin branches out and ex-members speak up.
0: Listeners, I have a very special announcement. Parcast is releasing its first book on July 12th, and you can help us celebrate. It's called Cults, Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Joined Them, and you can pre-order it today at parcast.com slash cults. This book was written for the fans, so to commemorate its launch, Parcast will be throwing some exclusive in-person and online events. Featuring popular true crime hosts such as Ashley Flowers from Crime Junkie, Christine and M from And That's Why We Drink, and more. Just visit Parcast.com/cults for event dates, locations, and how to sign up. See your favorite true crime authors and podcasters discuss the Cults book and have a chance to participate in live Q&As. These events have limited space, so don't miss out. RSVP today. None of this would be possible without your support, so we truly hope you'll join us. Pre-order your copy of Cults and sign up for upcoming events at parcast.com cults.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story.
0: By 1908, 47-year-old Benjamin Purnell's House of David was thriving in Benton Harbor, Michigan. The group's numbers were strong, and they presented a wholesome image to the community. They were the perfect picture of commune living, or so they wanted people to believe.
1: Despite the number of people flocking to Benton Harbor, some members are actually leaving the House of David. Benjamin tried vilifying these defectors, referring to them as scorpions. But that didn't stop them from airing their grievances.
0: Some complained to authorities that they felt swindled by the group. They'd handed everything to Benjamin and now saw him as a fraud. Others noted the poor living conditions on the property, quarters were cramped, and there were only three bathtubs for the hundreds of people that lived on the commune. But that paled in comparison to what many women experienced.
1: One said that Benjamin put his arm around her and made sexually suggestive comments while they were walking through the grounds. Another claimed that he groped and assaulted her in private.
0: These accusations were likely just the tip of the iceberg because the incidents speak to a larger pattern of behavior. It's unknown how many of the girls and young women had similar experiences but never reported it.
1: If true, not only would these allegations make Benjamin a criminal, but also a hypocrite. They flew in the face of his edict of abstinence and celibacy, not to mention the group's claims that it treated women equally.
0: Despite the accusations though, the authorities didn't seem all that interested in pursuing criminal charges against Benjamin.
1: Thanks to him, the town of Benton Harbor was booming. So it's possible that they didn't want to rock the boat. For the time being, law enforcement may have been content to sweep things under the rug.
0: So with nothing standing in his way, it was business as usual for Benjamin, and his business was only growing.
1: In 1910, Benjamin purchased even more land to expand his thriving empire. This time, he snagged land on an island in Northern Michigan. High Island was used for logging, but also eventually served as a penal colony of sorts for dissenting members of the group.
0: The new venture, like nearly everything else he touched, proved successful. His followers labored every day to harvest wood, then sold their haul to local vendors.
1: The work never seemed to end. But looking back, it was necessary for the massive growth and success of the House of David. Commune members happily toiled together for one common goal, paradise on earth.
0: In the span of only seven years, 49-year-old Benjamin had around 700 members on his compound. Around the same time, his followers assembled a grand building known as Shiloh House, from wood and bricks manufactured on the property.
1: Several years later, flush with followers and resources, the House of David launched yet another grand project. This time, they built a place for Benjamin and his wife Mary. They called it Diamond House. It served as the family's private residence and refuge from the stresses of running the commune.
0: Benjamin now had a place fit for the king moniker the press had given him.
1: For all intents and purposes, he had turned the house of David into a self-sufficient city.
0: And still, it doesn't seem like the locals of Benton Harbor had any issue with Benjamin or his rapidly exploding group next door. They were charmed by the Eden Springs Amusement Park and the business it brought.
1: From the time it opened, the park entertained tens of thousands of people. Eventually, they added a go-kart track and a zoo.
0: With all of that, it's easy to understand how so many put Benjamin's odd teachings to the back of their minds. For most, the House of David wasn't a place full of religious fanatics.
1: Instead, it meant entertainment and local growth. And soon enough, the group would tie itself to America's pastime. In
0: 1913, Benjamin decided he needed some kind of outlet for the young men in his flock. He wanted a way for them to occupy their time and get out their pent-up energy.
1: That year, some of Benjamin's young male followers started playing baseball. At first, it wasn't anything special. Just some informal catch, a few batting drills, and a couple of inter squad games if enough players showed up.
0: Despite how limited the games were, Benton Harbor locals slowly started coming out to watch the men play.
1: And as the inter squad games grew more competitive, so did the crowds. Benjamin could see the potential there. In the spring of 1915, the group fielded its first official team.
0: A year after that, they played in a county league and were nothing to scoff at. With their long hair and beards, the team seemed like a novelty, but they finished by winning the championship.
1: The next season, they joined the Intercity Baseball Association of Chicago and played across the region from Illinois to Indiana. Over time, they built a name for themselves.
0: The baseball team dazzled spectators and acted as an incredible marketing tool for Benjamin's group. Eventually, so many people were showing up to games that the bleachers overflowed. When the stands were full, cars lined up just beyond the foul lines in the outfield. People set out picnic blankets and soaked up the game.
1: Now, more than ever, the House of David had ingrained itself in the community. Those who lived in Benton Harbor had their own team to root for. In an era when baseball ruled all other sports, it was a point of pride for many.
0: And as always, Benjamin looked to expand his reach, influence, and wealth. So by 1920, he had his baseball team take to the road to play as a barnstormer.
1: Everywhere the team went, from small towns to big cities, people asked about who they were and what they represented. The players stuck out with their long hair and beards.
0: All of it was intentional. If anyone wanted to know more about the House of David lifestyle, or how to join the group, the baseball team had them covered. In time, hundreds of new members joined the flock.
1: But while their name recognition reached an all-time high, more people found themselves questioning the House of David's practices. And this time, outside of the commune, these scorpions made sure Benjamin faced consequences.
0: In October of 1921, a married couple named John and Margaret Hansel came forward with new accusations. They claimed Benjamin was nothing more than a religious fraud who'd swindled them out of assets worth nearly $5,000. This was a time when the average yearly income in the United States was less than $3,000.
1: The couple had been a part of the congregation for eight years, when, for unknown reasons, the Hansels and their six children were expelled from the House of David.
0: They were outraged that the property they'd turned over when joining the group wasn't given back to them.
1: So the Hansels filed a civil claim, saying Benjamin fraudulently told them that turning over their property would advance them in the kingdom of God. They felt he defrauded them out of their assets and asked the courts to grant them restitution.
0: While the authorities didn't act so quickly, the media sure did. By that point, Benjamin was well known, and that made the news a hot scandal. The papers printed multiple stories about Benjamin's legal troubles.
1: The development proved to be one of the first cracks in the House of David's carefully laid foundation.
0: To prevent further damage to his reputation, Benjamin's followers decided to show a vote of confidence in their leader. In December of 1921, they publicly renewed their vow of support and claimed that the Hansels were lying.
1: But realistically, the public show of devotion wasn't even necessary. Benjamin built so much of the community that the headlines did little to hurt him people still eagerly showed up to the House of David baseball games and bought tickets for Eden Springs Park.
0: Then, just as it appeared Benjamin would scrape through the firestorm unscathed, more accusations came rolling in. Two sisters, both former members of the House of David, went public with shocking allegations in January of 1923.
1: Their words rocked the region and would bring the House of David crumbling down.
0: Coming up, Benjamin takes to the wind as his Eden crumbles. Now, back to the story.
1: At the beginning of 1923, it looked like Benjamin Purnell had everything he wanted. The 62-year-old controlled around 1,000 members through his House of David. And the organization ranked in funds that allowed him to live lavishly.
0: But when two young women came forward with accusations against the leader, everything took a turn.
1: By that point, sisters Ruth Bamford Reed and Gladys Bamford Rubel were married and living outside of the commune. They claimed their experiences in the House of David were very different from the image the group presented to the outside world.
0: According to them, despite Benjamin teaching abstinence, he was anything but pure.
1: The two filed a civil lawsuit publicly accusing him of sexually assaulting them when they were young girls. During their testimony, they said he lured them to his room under the guise of a phony religious practice he claimed would cleanse their blood.
0: Remember, being sinless was one of the core tenets of the House of David. It was key to living long enough to see Christ's return and beyond.
1: According to the sisters, Benjamin claimed he lived without sin. So, he was the only one who could grant them immortality as long as they had sex with him.
0: Worse still, the sisters indicated that they weren't the only ones targeted and assaulted by Benjamin. According to them, he kept his favorite girls living inside Shiloh House, just a short walk from his diamond house. That way, he had access to them whenever he wanted.
1: The accusation sent a shockwave through Benton Harbor. The prosperity the group brought to the town was stained.
0: For their part, the Bamford sisters were suing for monetary damages. But given the gravity of the accusations and the public outcry, local authorities wanted to act. They wanted to get Benjamin on the stand and under oath, not just for a civil trial, but a criminal one as well.
1: In April of 1923, they charged him with statutory rape. The same month, authorities received a warrant to bring the leader in.
0: Unfortunately, there wasn't much the officers could do because Benjamin
1: had disappeared. Despite raiding the property twice in 1923, the police claimed they couldn't find him.
0: However, according to more contemporary reporting, Benjamin's whereabouts were an open secret.
1: People saw him brazenly walking around. Some even claimed to see him out and about in Benton Harbor itself.
0: If these accounts are to be believed, it doesn't seem the authorities had Benjamin's capture very high on their priority list.
1: In the meantime, the courts finally ruled on John and Margaret Hansel's case. They found Benjamin and the House of David had committed fraud. A judge ordered the group to pay the Hansels back, plus wages owed.
0: While those who opposed Benjamin celebrated the win, really it was just a drop in the bucket. Benjamin and the House of David controlled a vast pool of resources. It would take much more to bring the organization down.
1: But Benjamin was still stuck in hiding. With him out of the picture for the time being, the authorities continued to build their criminal case. And more former members came forward with stories of abuse.
0: Several women lodged additional accusations of assault against Benjamin. With all the heat, opinions in Benton Harbor soured on him. Residents clamored for the leader to be brought to justice, yet the police claimed he was nowhere to be found.
1: Finally, in 1926, another accuser forced their hand. Bessie Woodworth told authorities point-blank that Benjamin was still on the commune, living in Diamond House. Now they had no excuse to keep looking.
0: By the time they received a warrant to enter Diamond House on charges of statutory rape and fraud, Benjamin Purnell had, and we're putting this in quotes, evaded them for more than three years.
1: On the cold evening of November 16, 1926, a battalion of state police gathered outside the small town of Paw, 33 miles away, to plan their attack. They couldn't risk making any wrong moves and letting Benjamin escape
0: around 11 p.m. 30 officers hopped in police vehicles and headed into the darkness. They were going to get their man, no matter what.
1: Shortly after midnight, the officers arrived on the outskirts of the House of David compound. Off in the distance, they saw their target.
0: The white brick diamond house stood there hauntingly. No lights were on in the mansion, and it didn't appear that anyone was stirring.
1: The police watched their breath plume in the cool air as they spoke. They didn't know what they'd find and had to be prepared for anything.
0: They made their way to the front of the house in the darkness and knocked on the door. When no one answered, the officers swung their axes.
1: Within moments, the wood splintered and the police were inside the sprawling home. Law enforcement spread out, making their way from room to room.
0: When officers got to the master bedroom upstairs, they spotted two men trying to carry away an elderly person. At first, the authorities likely thought it was just an older member of the group trying to exit the house in all of the commotion.
1: As they got closer, however, they realized it was Benjamin Purnell himself trying to flee with his acolytes in tow. Bessie Woodworth was with the officers and was able to identify him. But something about Benjamin seemed different than they expected. He looked sickly and weak. The years on the run had taken their toll.
0: Either way, Benjamin was caught. The police took him to the county jail. By the end of the day, they'd released him on a substantial bond, one that ensured he wouldn't be going anywhere.
1: The trial began in the ensuing months. Too frail to walk on his own, Benjamin's followers had to carry him inside the courtroom. To the press, he appeared a far cry from the King Ben they had crowned years earlier.
0: But his sickly appearance was the least of the House of David's worries. With the organization already a household name, reporters from as far away as New York swarmed in to write about the proceedings. Benjamin's alleged secrets were now broadcast for the American public to see.
1: In all, 13 women provided dozens of hours of testimony. Most of it aligned with what the Bamford sisters alleged. Benjamin had sexually assaulted them under the guise of cleansing them of their sins.
0: Dozens of others, including former members, also took the stand. They talked about their experiences in the group, with some supporting the defendant and others lamenting their personal financial losses. It didn't exactly bode well for 66-year-old Benjamin. Amid the stress, his health deteriorated further.
1: After more than three months, the trial came to a close at last. In front of a packed courtroom, Benjamin was found guilty of fraud on the ground of immoral and illegal practices and teachings.
0: Afterward, Benjamin Purnell continued to claim that he lived a sinless life and therefore was immortal. But before his sentencing in December of 1927, he died.
1: According to his own teachings, his passing confirmed that he'd sinned
0: and in the aftermath of the trial and their leader's death, the House of David fractured. In 1930, Mary Purnell founded a spin-off sect that became known as Mary's City of David.
1: As such, members were split on where to place their loyalties. About 215 of those who remained went to follow Mary, while the rest stayed in the House of David.
0: In practice, both groups functioned in much the same way. Despite the controversy generated from the trial, each one remained popular on their own.
1: Tens of thousands continued to visit Eden Springs Park, as they added more attractions and entertainment options.
0: Each group even had their own baseball team, which proved increasingly popular on the travel circuit.
1: Today, the House of David team is recognized not only for how well they played, but how ahead of the times they were. Years before Jackie Robinson broke Major League Baseball's color barrier, the House of David played against the Kansas City Monarchs, a prominent team of African-American players.
0: The teams traveled the country wowing crowds during the 30s and 40s, even bringing along a portable lighting setup to play night games. It was a novel development for the time.
1: But as the 50s came around, the staying power of the groups waned. They had fewer members overall, and the novelty wore off. By the mid-50s, the teams had stopped playing.
0: Over the following decades, both Mary's City of David and the House of David fell into obscurity. With fewer members, they had fewer people to help spread the word.
1: Soon, the groups relied solely on the aging members who stuck it out. But over time, much of Eden fell into ruin.
0: Over the past several years, Benton Harbor locals have helped to keep the Shiloh and Diamond Houses from crumbling.
1: Today, the House of David is often remembered for the businesses it created rather than its religious beliefs. The baseball team is still celebrated by aficionados and at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown.
0: And with everything going on in the world, it's easy to understand why people in Benton Harbor might yearn for the time when the House of David thrived. Back then, the town had a booming economy fueled by thousands of tourists and a winning baseball team everyone could take pride in.
1: But that vision of the past, as we now know, is skewed. The fact is, things never have been and never will be perfect. The old glory days are simply a mirage. The House of David accomplished many things and contributed a lot to Benton Harbor. But Benjamin Purnell also abused his members, leaving a trail of damaged lives in his wake. And eventually, he left a permanent stain on the town.
0: Now, as we get ready to pull away from the shores of Lake Michigan, we'll push thoughts of this 100-year-old Eden to the backs of our minds.
1: Ahead, we'll come face-to-face with another tragic sight, the burned-out remains of David Koresh's Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to this special episode of Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with the fourth stop of our summer road trip.
1: You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
0: For more information about the Israelite House of David, among the many sources we used, we found The Righteous Remnant, the House of David by Robert S.
1: Fogarty, extremely
0: helpful to our research.
1: We'll see you next time.
0: CULTS is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of CULTS was written by Robert Tyler Walker, edited by Abigail Cannon and Terrell Wells, fact-checked by Naomi Barr, researched by Brian Petrus and Chelsea Wood, and produced by Bruce Katovich. CULTS stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa. Exciting news! ParCast's first book, Cults Inside the World's Most Notorious Groups and Understanding the People Who Join Them, is now available for pre-order at parcast.com cults. Thanks to your support, we've compiled years of research, insights, and a catalogue of case studies to expose more about these cults and the people behind them than ever before details which haven't even been explored in our cults podcast visit parcast.com cults to pre-order your copy of cults inside the world's most notorious groups and understanding the people who join them